0: Dumb song, take nine.
1: Yes, <laughs> these are these are a little loud. This Rodney
0: p- Dangerfield. Everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. Yes, I am still sick. Uh, it must be, I guess mainly in my chest and my throat, my voice. I just, uh, yeah, I just don't sound like myself. But you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but I'm okay. Uh, overall, I'm okay, and uh, you know, the, the podcast must go on, right, Carl? Uh, Absolutely, it does. Uh, yeah, because it just must. So, I'd like to welcome to the show. Uh, from Phoenix Records in Waysfield, Vermont. I'd like to welcome Carl Uberbacher. And that's the last time I'm going to say your last name, Carl. But let's welcome Carl to this Excellent job. Excellent job. <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you doing?
1: Excellent. Uh, well, I mean, it's raining in
0: 37
1: here. So, oh, you know, you typical spring weather in Vermont. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a summer out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. And, you know, Carl, I was thinking, I don't even think we should mention, because originally Carl was going to do a completely different record than the one we're doing tonight, and I don't think we should mention it, because I think eventually it's a really great album to do, and uh, I don't think we should say anything, and then you could maybe come back and, you know, talk about that.
1: Exactly. Myself and, I guess, Henry Rollins is really into the seasonality of music, too, and I don't know if it's you know has to do with the first time i heard it or certain things that i associate with certain times of year right but right. very seasonal so i felt like a, a good spring album a good spring into summer album was, okay uh, so necessary.
0: what is this what are we talking about what is your we're talking about experience?
1: urge overkill saturation yeah. june 9th 1993 another 1993 album
0: right right and yeah to be honest urge overkill obviously a band that i knew about heard of but never really got into that deep and i learned a lot about them just you know just doing my homework this week um so they're from chicago so first of all i found out that they were their first couple of releases were produced by who steve albini Of course, Chicago, because I guess maybe was it Nash Cato that was friends with him? And uh, he just, you know, he he recorded bands at that. That's what he did in Chicago. And not necessarily a band you would automatically picture him producing, right?
1: Yeah, I think probably, you know, their first few albums were on uh, the singles and the first few albums were on Touch and Go. So I'm assuming it's through that and, you know, the Touch and Go connection because. Yeah, Albini didn't have good things to say about them. Later. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, when surprised. you think
0: of? He didn't have good things, I mean, he didn't have good things to say about the uh, Pixies, too. Really. So you know, I mean, come on, he's just yeah, and he's kind of cranky.
1: Yeah, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I think with Albini, um, you know, I think his opinions are interesting and they're very uh, diverse and well. Uh, executed, but uh, <laughs> you know, usually I don't agree with them. So
0: <laughs> yeah, but and uh, but also to be fair, this urge overkill is the kind of band sort of that you would expect him to hate. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just the kind of band that you'd expect him to disdain, have disdain for, and just not uh, not be his thing. Uh, but also, I saw that their second uh, album, their full length, was produced by uh, Butch Vig. <laughs>
2: Never been to LA in my
0: life. So these guys yeah. work with some heavy hitters and uh, I mean the main uh, the main way I know them and probably the main way more casual fans know them. Is that they covered uh, Neil Diamond's Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, which was pr- uh, produced and mixed by Kramer, and it's a really cool version. Uh, I guess that was on their EP, right, in 1992?
1: Yeah, that was on the, f- the Stall EP, which came out right before this album. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, right. When they were still on Touch and Go.
0: Right, right. And, but then in 1994, uh, Quentin Tarantino included it in uh, Pulp Fiction, and of course, that documentary. Stuff- uh, wider audience I love it so much Can't count all the ways I've died for you girl And all they can say is He's not your kind they
2: never get tired Of putting it down And I never know When I come around
0: What I'm gonna find Don't let them Break up your mind Don't you look good and, and, and you know And they sort of had This uh This vibe they, they have like this kind of rock and roll, but also kind of laid back, loungy rock and roll vibe. I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to quantify. But what, all right. So let's get your uh, what was your introduction to them and how, how did you get into these
1: guys? I, I think it was probably through this album that it came in. I was working in a record store in 93. I graduated from college uh, finally. <laughs> and, right. Uh I was working in the record store that I would later own, Phoenix Records in Connecticut. Oh, and nice. it came on and, you know, uh, kind of like yourself, you know, grew up in the, the punk rock scene, playing punk rock, at least. And then as I learned to play a little bit more and maybe a little bit better, allegedly, um, you know, got into some was getting into some of the newer stuff that was still Interesting and punky, and uh, but had some melody and some tunes,
0: right? Right, right, and 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 yeah, and this was kind of supposed to be their breakout album because this they moved over to uh, Geffen Records, and this it's, it's almost an album built to be like a breakout alternative uh, album, you would say, and it kind of was for them in a way. I mean, they had sort of a, a minor hit with uh, Sister. Havana, I guess. Uh, and, yeah. um, but it never, but they, they just never really got over like, uh, like other bands of that time did, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, remembering those days very vividly because I would go to New York and Boston for shows, uh, you know, and was tight with people that worked at record labels and things. And it was always kind of en- enigmatic why they didn't uh, Breakout. You know, uh, obviously the two other big records that year were from, Sma- at least from Chicago, were Smashing Pumpkins and Liz Fair.
2: Right. I go.
1: That was probably in between the pumpkins and Liz Fair in terms of sales, but uh, you know it sold I, I I didn't get final numbers, but the only number I could find said two hundred and seventy-two thousand sold by uh I think it was uh five or six years ago. So right, you right. know, not not a not a major label success.
0: No, no. And and they were I mean, and at that time they were playing, they were opening up for Nirvana and uh and a lot of bands so it's just uh, you know it's it's a tale as old as time. You you think on paper these guys uh, kind of ha- had it all, and you would think oh they, they definitely could have broken out, but for whatever reason they did. But they're also an easy band, which I and I would guess a lot of listeners are gonna dismiss them because ah they're just like some like uh, meathead rock band that came around and in, in uh, whatever that time you know and and it didn't go anywhere. But I mean. You can't. I mean, I will never discount very well executed rock uh, rock music band that you know that that writes tunes and and that and that plays them and and the album I think is produced really great and it has like different sounds on it, different moods and it's and it's a really good rock album. So I. I definitely, yeah. I think, uh, I think maybe
1: it. their their weirdness, uh, you know, though it was played up in the media, and I remember seeing stories in spin about how they all lived in a, uh, you know, a bank, a converted bank in downtown Chicago <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> these kind of things and lived this loungy life. And yeah, and they all forever. have
0: these uh, nicknames like their name, like you got Nash uh, Cato and Eddie King Roser and the drummer <laughs> Blackie Onassis, which obviously isn't his real name. Uh, and, and, but
1: they were weird looking. They were kind of weird looking guys. They, they were. definitely were not grunge looking. No, which...
0: no, they were. They looked almost like not healthy, not necessarily that healthy looking and kind of like, yeah, I, I was actually watching some videos of them. But interesting, very interesting. And uh, and and the dr- drummer especially, I, I feel like uh, Black Onassis was a really good drummer. And uh, I was that always draws me to a band. You know when a band has a really great drummer, and I think he was a he was just a great drummer. And yeah, they they were good players, and they had these interesting songs. I mean, maybe for me, where some of it falls short are the lyrics to some of the songs because but I feel like that that's just not what they were into you know yeah
1: I think I think there are some great lines if you take snippets of lyrics and there are some things and Albini called them uh frat boys because they were obviously they he were did. intelligent they went to North they met at Northwestern uh which is where my father went uh for a year or two oh, <laughs> so nice. but You know, you kind of wonder about how their vibe, you know, once you start going up the ladder of a label and labels at that time wanted everybody to sell two million records or else it was a colossal failure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, now that would be on the top of the charts for, you know, a month. Oh,
0: so, right, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah, it is. So, it, yeah, it, it, it definitely... The, the other
1: thing that you good. mentioned was the, the drum sounds, and one of the things that draws me from this record that I always come back to is the production is just, I mean, that drum sound on this record is just gigantic. It it's is, really it's
0: it is, it's great.
1: Of the CD era, it's one of the best rock drum sounds, I think, that I can, I can think of.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an album that you could crank up. I mean, I listen. You know, when I when I do my homework on these records, I use this to my car, and, I'll, and this is one you just play as loud as you want to play it, and it still sounds great. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. There, uh, Sister Havana was their sort of alternative uh, radio hit. I read something really funny. I read that Geffen. At that time, they were spending a big bucks on videos, and the band kind of pitched the idea of maybe shooting the video in Cuba, in Havana, Cuba. <laughs> but they ended up settling for a little Havana right here in uh, Miami, in uh, <laughs> a little Havana. That's right; Miami. works right in it's summer <laughs> vibe. Ex- yeah, exactly. All right, let's listen to the opening track, "Sister Havana." Come around to my way thinking Don't you want to, want to get along Every day just like a vacation with you When I'm watching really really great slick uh like rock tune but uh, so i guess in reading about it uh at this point uh nash Cato was basically singing lead more but he originally wasn't the lead singer like eddie roser was the singer
1: yeah eddie sang most of the earlier stuff and i think Blackie onassis sang some and i you know when you listen to the older albums i i think that kind of does uh, set them set them back a little bit, at least in comparison to this. Because although there's good songs on there, and it's 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 more indie rock sounding, um, you know, there is a little confusion you know, because the singing's so different from song to song. Uh, but the weird thing about this song, I mean, it's it's a it's a Cold War song yeah. in 1993 after <laughs> after the end of the Cold War. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean. <laughs> you know and i mentioned i went to i graduated from college in 93 and i graduated with a degree in soviet and east european studies just in time so what oh, do you, you do go. you work in a record store
0: right <laughs> well, yeah well i got <laughs> yeah i have some questions about the record store too that i feel like uh that sort of tie into this but um yeah i i feel like he's uh, definitely has a has a more uh, like he has like this smoother uh, distinctive voice. He has a, a more a distinctive voice where you could tell it's him singing and I'm a fan of it. I'm uh, I'm a fan of his voice. I guess, you know, I read some people uh missed uh eddie singing but uh i'm a fan of it but you know at the end of the day like i said it's a catchy uh rock song with some really cool uh, production touches which i didn't i'm gonna play like the guitar solo that sounds kind of like a sitar in the middle it's really cool and just that whole breakdown part when they go uh you know i mean it's good it's just really good
1: and of course, that, that, that refers to Phil Castro, Fidel Castro kissing. Yeah,
0: right the and, kissing and then so assassin,
1: that. which I never picked up in all in all thirty years of listening to this.
0: Oh, You know, okay, until okay. I
1: pulled up the lyrics to look at them. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's, think, what's it about? You know, we we need to ask, ask Mashkino. Right,
0: and I mean, right, who knows if he would be straight. Um, all right, so this next one, uh, a Tequila Sunrise. This is uh, Kato and Rose are kind of singing a uh, co lead vocal together, which uh, which is kind of cool. But uh, let's listen to Tequila Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a flattery will get you nowhere. Oh, my God, I didn't want to hurt no one. In a false sleep, in need of stimulation... I wish the Z-Ball was the sun. Yes, I don't know what the fuck he's singing about. <laughs> and
1: and with a really nice, thick Nirvana-esque guitar sound, too. Yeah.
0: Now, do you know anything about the guys that produced this? It was produced by the... Uh, the Butcher uh, Brothers. The Butcher Brothers, yeah.
1: Who did a lot of hip-hop, and they worked out of Philadelphia. They did really, really big hit, hip-hop albums. Lauryn Hill, The Fugees, oh, things okay. like that. Okay. I I went through their discogs and it didn't seem like they did a lot of rock stuff, which is really a shame because, I mean, you know, those again'm I'm, I'm a guitar player and those drums are mixed just absolutely perfect they're hot they're up in the mix yep. they, they're really propelling the songs and you know the flow of the album is fantastic too
0: yeah it, you know, it is it is and uh yeah when we go into the uh positive bleeding is the other single from the album and another again like a really cool uh, guitar riff and just a really cool guitar sound and they bring in acoustic some acoustic uh, in some of the verses which works good for them i, I like that when they combine that uh, the acoustic and electric I, I think it's a it's a good sound for them but let's listen to a little bit of positive bleeding <laughs> Real uh real alt-rock, but those backups, those woo-woo backups, I'm telling you, that's like 90s. That reminds me of like uh, a pavement or something. <laughs>
1: I mean, the thing I get on that one is, is Cheap Trick, which is oh, kind of right, weird, right. you know, which is, might seem to be obvious, but maybe maybe it's not. You know, Cheap Trick was kind of an oldie. At that point, they were kind of, uh, you know, carrying on. But as a ballad playing, uh, you know, dare I say oldies band, right. <laughs> 30 years yeah. later, still going. But, um, you know, and what happens when you go to your A&R guy at Geffen? And you hand in a a, a record with electric sitar leads. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's just a killer song. And I mean, the lyrics on this one, you know, hey, look around today, everything don't need to be the same. You know, is that... Again, I don't think we'll really get an answer, but it's really anthemic and maybe a bit of a reaction to grunge and mo- grunge and post-grunge mopiness.
0: I think so. Yeah, I see that a lot. In fact, and and I do see a lot on this record I was going to mention. Uh, some of it seems almost a uh, tongue in cheek, uh, like a reaction Like they're kind of playing it up that. Yeah. Cause they are getting, uh, they, they are like going counter to that, uh, d- uh, doom and gloom that a lot of the grunge bands did, which, which I like and which I appreciate, but maybe some people didn't pick up on that. You know, maybe it didn't get that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now. All right. Here's so, all right, Carl, here's the thing I wanted to ask you do. You, um, Phoenix record, whenever I hear about someone. Uh, you know, has a record store, has a really long time. I imagine uh, like High Fidelity, uh, Jack Black, like you all just sitting around, like talking about it, like the scenes in High Oh, <laughs> I'm
1: well prepared for this show, Rob. I mean, many years of spending, you know, nine, ten hours a day arguing about music.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah which is great, which is awesome. But what happens in the, in the record store if you bring up, I could picture you bring up a band like this and everyone just shitting on it automatically, like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Well, you know, that that, abs- that would definitely happen. And, you know, sometimes you do come to, I've had employees come to blows. I've had nice. employees uh, uh, throw a phone at a customer. So <laughs> r- right there out of high fidelity. Right. You know, just the craziness of working in an independent record store, high fidelity, even if you watch all the deleted scenes and everything, it doesn't even come close. It I doesn't. Mean, <laughs> I
2: great. had a,
1: a, an illegal Albanian social club tap into my power for four years. Our company couldn't even find it until the day I moved out of that location. The guy's like, oh, I turned off your power downstairs, too.
0: Wow. And they came and audited <laughs> it.
1: Uh, I had the FBI come in trying to buy uh, Bruce Springsteen and Dave Matthews bootlegs, and I had a a garbage company uh, that was owned by a mob concern, oh. and they f- falsified uh, <laughs> they falsified my name on a contract, which. I knew I hadn't signed after I took over the store. And the guy doing this was the FBI plant that took down the entire East Coast of this division uh, of this this mob group. So these are the things that, you know, college and any other business school do not prepare you for. (laughs) coming in and having the lights be off and nobody knows why right you know? well that's kind of awesome though
0: that's great i'm glad i'm kind of in a way i'm happy to hear that and it's just no nah, it's, it's just boring we sit around we don't do that but uh, yeah that's great <laughs> um all right so uh, back on me we got eddie on lead vocals on this one and this one to me has a kind of a soul asylum uh feel for me with some of this stuff especially on the chorus
1: yeah don't don't tell barry right uh, um, yeah
0: exactly all right so, let's do a little bit of back on me Kind of an easy comparison, maybe obvious comparison, Soul Asylum. But I mean, I just can't help it. That's that's where I went.
1: Yeah, that that's a that's a good comparison. There's definitely some Pernerisms in the vocals. Yes, and you know, uh, I guess the drummer Black Unasus did come from Minnesota, so we'll be onto something. I think Chicago is one of those places. It, it's like the Midwest version of New York or Boston, like where if you come from a, a, a an eight-hour drive radius, you're automatically from there.
0: Right, right, you know, right. Just
1: like growing up in Connecticut, all the bands that were New York bands or, as you know, Aerosmith started in the middle of, you know, in the, in the wilds of Western New Hampshire. Right, right, yeah. right. And Lake Sunapee, so and they're a Boston band. So. Exactly,
0: exactly. All right, so "Woman to Woman" uh, this is a rocker for sure, uh, a rocker, and it's got a really cool uh, riff. I I really like how the guitar kind of uh, the guitar riff kind of backs up on itself and goes back forward, and uh, and it's just uh, it's a kickass. It is super staccato. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome though. But let's listen to a little bit of "Woman to Woman." I, I feel like this is one of the ones I was talking about where they're kind of being ironic in a way and playing up the whole misogynistic rock star thing as far as the lyrics go in this one.
1: Yeah, I don't know how seriously to take the lyrics. Right. I mean, you know, it, I could see, I could see it being, you know. Misogynistic rock star, or you know, confused rock star who comes home and finds out like that his woman was maybe not as into him as he right, right? Uh,
0: but just the just the lyrics, just the you're just my kind, uh, you're so mysterious, what's on your mind, you're so serious, girl, what's your sign, vegetarious? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, you, you got to give him a tip of the cap on that. I think it's, it's so. pretty, it's I, funny it, and it's rhyming and. Again, you know, you're bringing that in. You know, spending David Geffen's money. You know, yeah, <laughs> why, yeah, and and why not? They, he took it all from Nirvana, so he, you know, right, so.
0: right, yeah. But I, uh, I, I really think they are playing playing it up there. At least I, I would like to think so. Yeah, yeah.
1: And again, well, and you know, the other thing that was pointed that Albini pointed out, and there's a long scathing Re, Albini rebuttal on. Uh, to uh, a critic named Bill Wyman, which is still available online.
0: Oh, yeah. I was confused by that because I'm like, wait, is that Bill Wyman from The Stones? But no, it's not. It's just... <laughs> the
1: other the other Bill Wyman, who just okay. became a rock critic. <laughs> okay. You know, didn't play bass. But, um, you know, the, and he talks about uh, Albini's torqued off because uh, the three bands that are getting all the promotion, as we mentioned, in Chicago at that time, were the, the Pumpkins, who personally not a fan of uh liz fair so maybe there, liz fair was the one who was you know going known for going too far with the lyrics and the sexuality of the lyrics and whether that was true or just for attention or whatever was always kind of contested you know how calculated it always was so maybe it's a Maybe it's a little uh, day get Liz Fair, or maybe uh, something like that.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, and I just feel because another band that I could see someone in a negative way, a disdainful way, could compare them to is someone like Stone T- Temple Pilots. But Stone Temple Pilots, I could never picture them doing anything like trying to be ironic or clever or any of that. I just can't picture that, you know. I just can't, whereas, whereas with them, I could see them doing that. Instead of having. To oh, I, re-
1: I remember the day, uh, I, I was working closely with Atlantic Records at that time, and I remember the day uh, my, my friend there sent me an advance tape of that Stone Temple Pilots album, and, and, you know, couldn't wait for me to comment on it. You know, make sure you listen to it tonight, listen to it in the car on the way home come back the next day and i'm like well this song sounds like uh pro jam and this song sounds like smashing pumpkins and you know and i guess there was a little more going on than than that but But, but no
0: irony though zero irony yeah
1: zero irony you know just total rock star decadence you know play and playing up the drug problems and you know there was a lot of that you know that was the bad thing that came out of grunge grunge exposed a lot of good bands that you know those in the know had been into for a while people had been listening you know i i remember i listened to nirvana you know i wasn't the first i wasn't close to the first but i remember when i got you know the the single for smells like teen spirit and i played it three times in a row and i'm like whoa this this song right you know and but then Everyone took that and re- retooled their hair metal into a lighter version of grunge.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And, it, you know, and that's why it burned itself out so fast. And then you have these weirdos living, you know, living in a bank and, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, dressing weirdos. in track suits and, you know. Right, right. In-
0: <laughs> you matching, know, yeah, we're matching and having little uh, medallions made like with their with their logo, with their <laughs> wearing, which is cool. It is, is cool. I, I think mean, it is.
1: You know, the, the ingenuity of music is is underrated, you know, to otherwise you, you're just, you know, it's this everyone's using the same 12 notes. So,
0: yep.
1: <laughs> when you can add a little bit of artistic freedom to it. Right. And sing about the Cold War.
0: Right. <laughs> or this next one, A Bottle of Fur, which also I could see, like, I I get, like again, I get the Stone Temple uh, pilots vibes from them. But at the end of the day, this song, Bottle of Fur, is a really good song with a really catchy a great, chorus.
1: A great song and great chorus. Yeah, yes. yeah, great. Absolutely. All
0: right, let's do a little bit of Bottle of Fur. Mm-hmm. It's just this weird little earworm of a song, and uh, and the guitars. I'm gonna play at the end. It's got some really nice guitars uh, towards the end of it as well.
1: And the and the cheap trickisms in that song. And again, yeah, you know, and and just like cheap trick, where they they have these catchy poppy songs about dark topics, you don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? You know, <laughs> it, it, but but it's it's great lyrics, and as you said, the chorus
0: is just. You know just a really nice smooth chorus Yep, yeah, it is, it is. all right so this next one uh, crack babies has a, has a nice little out of the box intro, intro to it before the guitars kick in and definitely uh, this one definitely sounds like what the lyrics what they're doing i mean it's got that sound of a song called crack babies uh i think they uh they nailed it on this one <laughs> this is too a little bit One thing I appreciate for a band that's sort of on the cusp and they just went over to a major label. I appreciate the fact that they didn't, uh, they didn't take the easy way out. They definitely did some tried different things and, you know, and uh different,
1: another weird off kilter riff. Right. Right. Know, right. That others, there was a previous song we, we talked about and that was in, I think a six, five, I was trying to count it in that one oh, right. while you were playing <laughs> it back. Oh. I'm trying to, you know, and it, it's, it, it adds so much. It, it, It brings, you know, some... None of these songs on this record sound the same. Right. They all sound great, but they don't sound the same. Right. Which, you know, at that time, going back through that, you know, every song... a smashing pumpkins record every song sounded exactly
0: the same right right and even if it yeah even if it was it was really great lush sound and everything yeah it it, it could get same uh samey samey and that's definitely not this record at all they and a
1: mellotron intro or you know or at least a sampled mellotron yeah, you yeah know. it's cool it's and cool. one of the things i saw was that they were they were record guys and they would go to these record stores or goodwill stores and by you know 93 92 you know records were done it was cd it was cd's were full on cassettes right. were cd's had just toppled cassettes you know cassettes had a 10 year reign as the top seller right. so uh you know they they were going to stores and and said they used to buy armloads of like Burt Bacharach albums and you could hear it there you could right. hear it in the songwriting
0: yep yep for sure all right, so now we get another lead vocal from Roser on The Stalker. And I will say, this is probably my least favorite thing. This one, to me, has a Kiss vibe, but it's like a Gene Simmons song Kiss vibe. <laughs> 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 and, they, and they purposely, you know, make it sound really raw and uh, kind of lo-fi, but I don't know. It's just, I, for, for me, this one, I, I appreciate, once again, they're doing something different, but it kind of missed the mark for me,
1: It's, yeah, it's kind of a definitely. You're right on the kiss vibe, but you know the other the other thing on this, you know, again they handed in this record, and Albini's uh, criticizing these bands for being just you know too slick and buying right, into right, it, right, right, buying into it and on hype. And here's a quote: "Watching the three artists you moo about prostrate themselves before the altar of publicity that these last twelve months has been a source of." unrivaled hilarity here in the bullshit camp and seeing them sink into obscurity they have earned by blowing their promo wads will be equally satisfying now <laughs> i mean you know what that's that song right there is as noisy and as scronky as any big black song right right yes true true you know you, you could just hear the drums yep <laughs> that's, yep well, that's you know.
0: true yes you're right and uh that is, that's a great point and uh, and then we go from that now to a really nice different one with uh, the drummer singing, uh, Blackie's singing, uh, Dropout. And I swear to God, listen to this. To me, it almost has a Wilco a uh, Jeff uh, Tweedy vibe, but again, Ooh. totally <laughs> different. But uh, let's just do a little bit of Dropout. And say that I'm full of shit and I'm crazy.
1: No, like, no. I, I mean, I think it's interesting because it, it's Wilco. It's definitely it's Summer Teeth Wilco, like yes. what six or seven years early. Yes,
0: uh, yeah. And that's, that's just, yeah which you
1: know, again, there's there's some creativity here. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. there's something going on here that people haven't done, or you know, even if it's just taking a bunch of different influences and putting them in the blender you know you still get credit
0: for that right Right. yep yep for sure for sure all right so now i will uh, this next song erica kane i know about erica kane uh carl because uh when i first got married uh my wife like in the 80s my wife would tape and watch uh the soap opera all my children every day and I got, I, cause I was married and she'd watch it at night. I kind of got sucked into it. And for years I watched that goddamn show. So I know. Wow. Erica Kane. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because I know it enough where I'm like, well, it's weird. Cause they're kind of c- conflating the uh, character Erica Kane with the actress Susan, Susan Lucci, Lucci. who, you know, uh, famously, uh, uh, you know, went years, never won an Emmy. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting that they kinda <laughs> conflate that, but uh, it's just, uh, it, it, it's a fun song, and uh, I, I definitely got it. A- it's a rager. Yep, and I got an extra kick out of it, like I said, because I'm uh, personally invested—or I was, at one point. <laughs> Erica came. <Kane. laughs> Erica came another
2: Emmy's pass you by. Erica came when joy was playing You had to cry. Erica, if I was the man to dry your eyes.
0: I'm, I'm fading it out, but I'll probably I'll let it play a little longer because it sort of it, it it breaks into this like completely a different song in the middle of it.
1: And the crossfade in, and I, I guess that was one of the things I saw when I was you know researching this record too, was they kind of finished it fast, you know, because they were used to working fast, right that finished the album fast and then spent all this extra time uh, and using the Butcher Brothers, who were sample kings. Right,
0: right, right. To,
1: to work all these crossfades and samples into these songs. Yeah, and, and make them Really give a nice flow. Yeah, yeah it makes it really interesting. Really I mean, we had that other part with, you know, with Jack Lord uh, from the original Hawaii Five O, which... Which, which you know, that's that's awesome. You know, rock bands weren't doing that, and again, maybe that's why. Maybe they weren't being serious enough. Maybe that's why they didn't make it. Right. You know.
0: Um, now, have you kept up with them over the years? Because I noticed I saw that they, you know, broke up and then they got together. They had a couple of reunions. So yeah, I. I them?
1: So Nash Cato had an album. Uh, so the the album after this, Exit the Dragon, was just not. Uh, it was just a really dour. You know, there were rumors of drugs and, you know, infighting in the band. And, and it's just a really down record. And, it you know, it, it was kind of a disappointment to me. And I revisited it again recently, wondering if I had missed anything. And, you know, there's a couple OK songs on there, but it's not very good. Right. Uh, Nash Cato put out it. So then they broke up whenever that was 97, 98, around there tried to make it they had tried to make another album it never came out nash Cato put out a solo album after disappearing for a while his solo album's really good
2: oh yeah thank you
1: Then they then again nothing for like seven or eight years and then uh they put out an album called rock and roll submarine which was a very good album uh but a bit more like the early stuff a little more lo fi a little more indie rock and uh blackie onassis i think he was gone i don't i think i don't think he ever came back the drummer so yeah or if he did, you know, he was gone by then. And then they put out an album a year or two ago called "We." Uh, that is a a pretty good album. It's a it's a it's an excellent album, and I guess they recorded it in an old bank in Minnesota, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: in a studio in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, definitely Midwestern roots and. Uh, you know, it, it it does leave me kind of scratching my head as to why, because I do remember them getting, you know, some hype. And like you said, they toured with Nirvana. They had big tours. Yeah. And they had people talking about them. And you, you kind of wonder why it just, you know, it, it, even if nothing else, like, you know, that's one of those bands like, oh, they were number one in Brazil or something. Right, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and then, but you can't really, you know, even find a lot of information about them. So,
0: no. Uh, yeah, maybe just a, a little too uh, weird and quirky at the end of the day. Uh, so we got this next one, "Night in Gray," which is another Eddie uh, Roser vocal and another bluesy, like a just a bluesy rocker. And again, different, different sounding. Again, uh, "Night in Gray." Gray.
2: Would you like, would you like to me
0: Just listen to it now. uh, Like you said, throughout the whole record, man, those drums just sound great. They really
1: do. They sound great, and you know. And the other thing is, these guys could write a chorus. Yeah, yeah. That song kind of a little bit unremarkable up until it hits the chorus, and then you just have this killer chorus come in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and that song. There's not much uh, as far as it just sounds like a a, a band playing, and uh, it
1: sounds like a band playing, and you know. Speaking of things you, that record Got Me High brought me back to was ELO. I never knew I knew that many ELO songs oh, till right I listened to that episode. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, that's like an ELO chorus right
2: there.
0: Ah, okay. Okay, yep. I can you hear know, that. Yep.
1: Just coming out of nowhere and again you know we don't know exactly what they're talking about oh, yeah. you know? but it's, it's just this killer chorus and then you have you know diff- some different instrumentation working into it the little keyboard part it's all just so tastefully done it doesn't it doesn't go on too long it's not you know it, the songs are concise and focused
0: yep and uh then speaking of that now we have the uh uh, the closer heaven kind of a kind of a strange album closer it, it it's a it's a nice song it's a pretty song the lyrics for me are indecipherable i have no idea what know uh, <laughs> what he's going on about but i think it's a cool album closer but is it the closer too but let's let's do a little bit of heaven. yeah i don't know do you have any idea what uh, I, I have no idea well i have a theory on this one
1: and you know hear me out Nick, okay you know you you mentioned being sucked into the soap operas now uh, i was sucked into the beverly hills 90210
2: oh, okay. Uh, and
1: i remember that and i think that here we might be he might be playing around a little bit with that that's where the 90210 obviously comes from you know just the the queen of hearts and the king of fools and how everything you know all their teenage angst you know 28 year old teenagers on tv right yeah where um, he
0: says when 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 pain is all i know you know all their
1: angst and and disputes and everything would be neatly solved in the 42 minutes Right. But I also get a vibe that he's he might be singing about California, too, in the lure of California in a non chili pepper way.
0: Oh, right, uh,
1: right. So maybe there's a little bit of both, you know, the bitterness. But, you know, you, definitely the emotion on the vocals are are what gets me on that song. Yeah, I think I'm yeah, moving yeah. on back to Kansas you know if you're if you're putting yourself metaphorically in Beverly Hills and you're thinking of going back to Kansas then you are like you know what what the hell what the hell am i doing right you know <laughs>
0: I, all right, so you, as you said, this came out uh, when CDs. So on CDs, you could do what they did here. You could have this hidden track that's like what's hidden way deep in the last song. Uh, do you know anything about the song Op- Operation Kissinger?
1: Uh nope. But uh, you know, as, as I said, as a poly sci major, entirely for it. You know, right, right. And anything that mentions Kissinger, or uh, you know, I, I think. The bottom line for this, for this album to me, it, it, it's such a, it's such a cool album, it it's is. It's an interesting album, it's, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not something that could be figured out easily, and I, I think it makes me want to sit down and have a, you know, have the cocktail of choice, maybe, maybe some rum maybe something else with these guys and you know and, and just wonder what was it all about you right know? <laughs> right
0: just... yeah that's good i i like that at the end of the day yeah what the...
1: have a little mystery in your with your rock and roll
0: there you go right and uh, what more do you need right what more do you need
1: exactly
0: exactly
2: <laughs> all right yeah so that you... was
0: awesome so it was a good surprise like i said i didn't uh I hadn't. I had never dived in. Never did it. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at this, you know, weirdo little record uh, from uh, '93. It's pretty. Awesome. Thirty
1: years ago, man. It's oh, just it's you know. Yeah, then all we do is we get older and we talk about our mal- maladies. Yes. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So let's talk about uh, Phoenix records real quick. Do you want to plug anything? We'll plug. Uh... Um,
1: sh- sure. So uh, I, I bought this store that I, I have one of those careers that's, you know, kind of crazy. Like you, you see now with people that get to our age uh, where I, I was a sports writer. I worked in IndyCar car racing. Oh wow. Uh I've always been a musician and I was kind of lured back to buy the store that I worked at in college and uh that was in 1999. So uh that was in Waterbury, Connecticut, Phoenix Records and it was the store in the state where people would come to. I mean there are a lot of a lot of dudes right now that are still playing in bands and you know, professional musicians that started shopping at my store. And, you know, that's it's such a part of the fabric of things overall. If you think about how you get involved with music, you need to have three things. You need to have the radio station that's playing the underground stuff. You need to have a club that, you know, like preferably an all ages club where people can aspire to play. Right. And you know, and you need to have the record store that services those needs. So yep. uh I did that for 13 years in retail, and then I got sick of living in Connecticut, as one would do. And uh I move north and I'm up in Vermont now, and uh I do it all online. I'm on Discogs, oh, so okay, seller nice. okay, uh Discogs.com seller, uh Phoenix Rex, and I know. I know some people that you've had on the show before I've ordered from me. So oh, nice. I see the I see the names and it's it's fun. It's fun. You know, it, running a business, you know, like I said, it, it was crazy. 13 years of going seven days a week was crazy. And yeah. now I could, you know, kind of unplug a little and. The minute I stopped running the store the retail part of the store and arguing with people about Frank Zappa or <laughs> whatever it would be, you know, that was one of the rules was uh never argue with a Zappa fan because they know every every that note of smart. every song.
0: Yeah, that sounds like good advice.
1: But, you know, just all the BS of running a business that people don't think of. So I guess you know, I guess my thing is support your local store because they have to pay their taxes. They have to pay for their health care. They, yeah. they don't get they don't get any money if, if you unless you go in there and buy something, they don't get any money. You exactly. don't have when you're running your own business, you don't have any fallback. You don't have any minimum wage. You don't have any any unemployment. You just got to make it work yeah, somehow.
0: That's it. And uh, don't forget, everyone, uh, you could follow me and my little endeavor on Instagram and Facebook. It's at That Record Got Me High. Also, That Facebook Group Got Me High on Twitter. It's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And don't forget if you want to become a patron like Carl is a patron Carl did you get a chance I know the uh, the latest patron episode just came out you probably haven't even gotten to the list it because I just I didn't it get
1: it today and uh, it's on my list for tomorrow though because I had a lot of fun with that one yeah you, you did and it's good. it's a really
0: fun episode so yeah, you definitely uh
1: and that's one of the things Rob I you know I love the show I got sucked into the show you know fairly. You know, I, I probably within the first twenty episodes. But being a patron, I think, you know, it gives us a different, a different level of involvement. You're yeah. very, so, yeah. so good about getting us who listen involved and. You know, some of the people that you've had on the show are, you know, Todd Phillips, man. That that, thing, that dude's one of my favorite drummers. You know? Oh,
0: that's awesome, right? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. It's great. And it's just... It he was end in the day, Volta, for God's sakes. Know. At the end of the day, it's, uh, we're all just music fans, music geeks that love to talk about uh, records. So, uh, and the, and, and I think great.
1: that somebody has to talk about records because it's, you know, the the world is full of doom these that's days right. you know right. it's full of doom and gloom so, yeah. so we have something. to celebrate records we have to celebrate music we have to celebrate our artists
0: absolutely all right that's very well said so yeah you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron show i'd appreciate it other than that just uh don't forget uh rate the show whatever you listen on write a review don't forget to subscribe Thanks, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Maybe soon I will have my voice. Or maybe, uh, uh, Carl, I was thinking, maybe this just is my voice now from now on. But I don't it, know. it could
1: we'll very see. well be, man. <laughs> you, could, you could get that raspy, you know, second,
0: there
1: you go. <laughs> second voice. We could dump a little reverb on it, like Robert Plant after was Oh, okay. His voice. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
0: right. Thanks, uh, thanks, Carl. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, thanks everyone, for, for listening. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here.
2: But it's all I've